Pastor Holly, Lady Ashley. Happy motivation on Monday. Blessed. <laughs> blessed, blessed, and blessed. What about you, Lady Ashley? Can you talk blessed? I'm I'm blessed and highly Yes, and yes, and yes. New week, new goals. And if you're alive and well today, you still have purpose in you. One more chance. One more chance. As we get moving, wake up, wake up, wake up, everybody. And understand that this is a day that you are truly blessed to be in it. We want you to join in today on this message with mental health concerning men. In particular, I want Dr. Holly to talk about our men, the black men. I know that mental health is a universal thing, but we're talking about us. Lady Ashley. Good morning. Good morning. I'm here. Yes. And I'm ready for this great conversation. Oh, man. It's the talk. It's the talk. It's the talk. So let me just uh, bring in Dr. Sebastian Holly to talk about men and mental health. Sir, great morning. Great morning to you. Amen. Please enlighten us on this oh, uh, subject. Well, God, um, I guess this is an incredible topic. This is um, one of several uh, conversations I've actually I've gotten an opportunity to be a part of over this month, over the last couple of months, as a matter of fact. Um, again, you know, not just because this is a Black Mental Health Month, but because we've just had a lot of things that have been, been going on uh, that have directly affects Black men, especially Black leaders. And so that's been a very traumatic, you know, there have been a lot of traumatic moments that uh, my, I myself personally have um, just continued to experience. I mean, just continue to experience um, and just really trying to process through it. You know, we have, a, a of course, a great God, um, you know, the scripture, this relationship that helps us. But I, if I could be so transparent, honest, this has been rough you know what I mean it's just really been rough because there have been days and times I didn't want to talk about the scriptures you know I didn't I did, that just really wasn't where I was at in my own in my own heart yeah uh, you know I, I know the scriptures and I know God loves me and I, and I love right. God but just I being real really love everybody but some days it's harder than others and um so that's just highlighted the need um you know just for the mental, mental health question or the mental health conversation uh, especially for black men, you know what I mean? Because we don't really get a, the same degree of um, of honest places that we can talk it out. You, you follow me? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize the, the weight of this. When you're talking about the 20s and the 30s, you literally had uh, practitioners who declared, you know, uh, wrote that uh, black people couldn't have mental illness. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, have, wow. you have a lot of unresolved trauma there that people, people are saying because they didn't see us as uh, humans or as men, praise God, and they thought that we couldn't have mental illness. And as a result of that, we have decades on top of decades where there is no research, there is no treatment for people that are going through different traumatic experiences. And so it uh, literally has set us behind even to our current moment in time. You know? mm-hmm. I'll leave some room for some questions, but that's kind of where we are right now. That, that, you just laid it down. You just laid it down. This is a a subject that it's a question it, the, in, the, in the heart of the black man, there are many questions to ask. Lady Ashley, you got a question for Dr. Holly? Uh, so, Pastor Holly, 
You know, I thought about this thing um, because I know that this is a silent disease that our men uh, suffer from. Um, how can us as women help men to deal with this issue? What are some simple things that we can do? Amen. Okay. Um, absolutely great question. I thought you were going to save the hard question for later. Uh, <laughs> absolutely great question. Uh, but honestly, one of the things that we have to do, especially in a relationship, marriage or uh, relationship dynamic, is that we have to leave space, give space, you know, give grace for people to honestly be available, to be honest, um, to be transparent without a fear of it coming back on us. One of the, I uh, actually had a conversation on yesterday. Uh, ministry on yesterday that a lot of times women don't know the, the damage that they cause to their marriage to their relationship when they emasculate a man and we know what this looks like sometimes it takes on the picture of information that's been given out in a very transparent way then that information coming back at you and being used against you uh, and that's what a lot of men are afraid of the male ego is something so fragile and so you have a lot of men that are afraid of that so when I talk about giving space and opening up space for the opportunity for people to be vulnerable, for people vulnerable, for people to be open. And that's kind of what I mean is that, you know, have the maturity to say, I can hear this, but then not use it as leverage when it's going to benefit me. Uh, and, and again, I know the same thing happens across the board on the other side of the dynamic, but specifically dealing with, um, you know, just the mental health perspective. You know, I think that's a good, a good space, a good place for, for women to be with, with their black men. Right. Right. I also think that it's very important for uh, them to know, and it, it did correlate with what you're saying, um, that they can trust us. Yes. You know, you come to me and you, you share things with me, you can trust me. You don't have to worry telling everybody, you can trust me. Okay. And I think patience is needed, too, because this is a very hard thing to work through. Um, you know, so I, I agree with that, and I can appreciate that piece of advice. Just being the one... Um... A lot of people don't realize that one of the uh, places of value within relationship in and of itself is that when you're the safe place. You oh, follow me? Wow. Like, seriously, that's, that's huge. Like, it's so big when you're dealing with marriage, especially uh, marriage among believers. Um, you know, just that he is your safe place and, and, and she is safe place. And they can really, you can really dialogue and be free in this space because out of that should come healing. You, you follow me? I don't, I don't think we really consider the layers and the weight of, of this mental illness perspective. You know, because, so just imagine, uh, it is my, my belief, and, and I think uh, this belief is shared by um, quite a few of our practitioners. Uh, my degree, my PhD is literally in Christian counseling. You know, it's something that I've been doing ever since I've been in ministry. Um, on the front end, didn't really realize how much counseling I was actually doing, um, you know, even the way that I ministered and witnessed to people was a very, um, you know, just very close to just counseling and dialogue because I always, I've always believed that relationship is a very intricate part of, 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 of salvation. Uh, and so now I believe that relationship is the most important part. But on the front end, I did spend a lot of time talking to people and dialoguing with people, listening to people and trying to understand where they were, you know. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, I just took on this, I don't even know what you want to call it, posture persona, where we 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 engage this way. You you follow me? And so uh 
as a result of that, I see the layers that exist when you talk about mental illness. My position that mental illness is the unresolved. So what becomes a reflection of unresolved hurt, unresolved trauma, is what we will diagnose as mental illness. You follow me? Now, this becomes powerful for, let's just say, for our culture. Uh, those, those of us that are descendants of the transatlantic slave trade, so we have the trauma of slavery, mm. where there's never been any therapy, mm. never been any. Ain't never been treated. Never even been the acceptance to realize that slavery in and of itself has caused literally unresolved trauma. Mm. Then you have unresolved trauma with Jim, Jim Crow era. You know now you're talking about this is literally 460 years to to, to 500 years, depending on who you're, who you're talking to uh, from a historical sense. But you have this, all of this unresolved trauma, no no intent whatsoever to actually deal with what has taken place in the thinking in the in the uh, in the process with, with a, an entire group of people, right? So that's one layer. So you just talk about this being black in the United States of America is its own trauma, right? And so not only have we not dealt with trauma that has existed and and took place. And it's a continual offense <laughs> uh, uh, is taking place. It's, you know, just the racism and the systemic attitude of racism is huge. Like, it's just a constant, you know, that we're being bombarded. And we have to gird up a certain way. I never forget that I was, um, was a young lady that wrote a book, great book. I read, I read a good bit of it. Um, you know, and uh, just a really sharp young lady, really sharp ministry couple, as a matter of fact. But this young lady was adopted. And raised by, you know, white people. You follow me, middle class white people. Uh, you know, that's so she she kind of grew up in a very affluent area, um, you know, community and different things like that. And so she wrote this book about racism. And one of the questions she asked in the book is, when did you first experience racism? And, and most black people are like, huh? Right. <laughs> and have to wait for an experience. I knew I was black the time I hit the floor. You know, it's like this is my reality. Right. You know, and, and so and so back to my, my point in that is just being black, period. You know, I mean you're experiencing this continued offenses, these continued traumas, and there is no place for it to be resolved. And then when you take events that begin to happen, uh, you know, like this year has just been incredible because because of the camera, because of the cell phone video, we have one event after another. You know, they're just taking place and they, they're just hits, just constant hits that you're dealing with and you still haven't processed the pain of generational hurt. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and you gotta remember All of that. All the trauma. The reflections from the unresolved, you know, causes us to actually program a certain mindset in the next generation. Right. You're talking about Correct. you know, that you that's been programming a certain attitude of fear, uh inferior com inferiority complexes, slave mindedness, all of this is constantly taking place. But here it is, we just continue to process and deal with it because we have no choice. Right. Right. You just, so You're right. Man, I mean that's heavy, y'all. That's right. <laughs> you know, I noticed too, like, um, with you know, in today's climate, with all of the videos that are out, you know, already men have, there's a negative stigma that's, that's uh, connected to men going to have counseling and going to go talk to someone. And, you know, there's such a huge negative stigma toward that. And they don't want to be deemed crazy, you know. But I think in today's climate, like, men are 
some men are more open to seeking that help um, now more than ever because if you ever have a wound and then you rip the scalp off, like that's what we're feeling. Us women, I know y'all men are feeling it on a whole nother level because y'all are the target to have this, this stuff happen over and over and over again. So what do you say to the man who, um, who struggles with getting counseling, who struggles with going to go talk to a professional or even um, a pastor such as yourself? What do you say? How can you make that journey? Testimony. A lot of time I've used my own testimony. Two two major things. One, um, counseling was a major part of my own life, my own reality. Just walking out the process of counseling in the Christian setting or in a in a in a, in a spiritual setting where I could fully embrace my deliverance. Uh, that's a huge, really a huge piece of it because most people don't realize that salvation and deliverance are the same. Right. It's not supposed to be this reality where you're qualified now to make it to heaven, saved. And then you have to uh, uh, go through another process to be delivered. You feel me? The moment I make the reconnection, I'm in the reconciliation with God, then the process of deliverance is supposed to be available and being walked out. Does that, right. that make sense? So on my own testimony, just telling people that counseling was a huge piece to me, that it was totally beneficial, um, you know, and, and it just changed everything in my in my reality, in my life, and, and, and in my unprocessed. Uh, the second part of it is, is you have to take the the spookiness out of counseling and therapy. Yeah. You know, people have this mindset of qualification, and so anything that seems that it might disqualify me in any way, then I want to avoid, I don't want to participate in. You know, uh, people think that counseling takes away from from your relationship with God, and when, that, when, when all actuality, when it's done right, it should improve your relationship with God, not take anything away from you. So you have to take the spooky out of counseling, show people just how practical this really is. That the vast majority of America needs counseling. You know, what I'm saying? it is not something broken in your in your the way that your mind works. It's something broken in the way that you understand. You know what I'm saying? And that, and that's huge because even that's in huge. the scriptures, Jesus says it's all about your understanding. But if you have struggled to understand because you have some unresolved stuff, then let's heal the unresolved stuff so that you have the availability to fully understand. Right. That's deep. That's real. That's raw. That's what. The men need to hear that are listening this morning. We want to thank you for tuning in to Revealing Hill podcast. Now, Dr. Holly, I'm I'm in I'm curious to know what it is that uh can you tap into the boy in you that the things that are going on now? Does it match the trauma growing up as a child and seeing all the adult things going on? And mm-hmm. saying to yourself, one day I'm gonna be an adult. Mm-hmm. Is this gonna? Is this my future? Right. Absolutely. I mean, it, there is not very much that has changed in the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. I mean, this is the exact same dynamic uh, that existed, you know, uh, then. Uh, the only different is difference is is that the intellectual capacity of the African American man. Um, and when I say capacity, the actual intellect, as far as how much information we actually have, um, the knowledge base, you know what I mean? I'll just be real with you. Um, yes. This generation ain't took what the last two generations took. And At all. Down like that. At you know all. what I'm saying? And that's, and that's a whole different space and place as a group that we've been in. But the things that we're working against are just as dramatic because we're still working against each other. Yes. There's literally a programming, you know, of just dealing with black 
hating black, black fearing black. This has been so intentional. It has been so intentional. Media, you know, uh, telecast, um, you know, news broadcast, all of these things have aided in a conditioning of black hating black. You, you follow me? Uh, and that's very important because though, that's one of the things that's really working against us the most is that we can't come into some place of agreement to get resolved. Mm. You know, but the but the experience is, you know, it, it looks a lot alike. You know what I'm saying? We're yes. still dealing with injustice in police departments. You know, we're still dealing with injustice in the justice system. You know what I'm saying? We have a justice system that's not just. You know what I'm saying? We have a justice system that has no righteousness. And so this is definitely really uh, huge you know, to what we have what we have to encounter on a daily on a daily basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I um I um had an encounter a couple of days ago. I went into this training class and um I real I mean I've realized it before, but in that moment when I had to sit in that space I realized that people of different ethnicities have no clue, have no true reality of what it is that um, the black man or the black woman has to endure. And, you know, um, I was thinking about, we, we, we had a dialogue on um, the black man. No, we had a dialogue on um, why, like, for instance, the, the sheriff said that when he has a traffic stop and he sees a man with his hands in the air, or on the sterning wheel, he, there's two assumptions that he comes to. He said, one is that he's done something wrong. Mm. He said, the second is that um, they've had some kind of encounter with the law before. So I'm sitting in this classroom with like 10 white women, one of the black woman, and we're having this dialogue. And I'm just like, wait a minute, hold up. I'm like, no, that's what us as black women, us as black men, that's what we teach our children um, for their safety. That's a survival mechanism. And I just think about how fearful men and women get when they're stopped by the police. You know, their adrenaline starts to rush and they're nervous and all of these things. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I thought to myself, you know, in a climate like today, mental health is at a, the high, a higher rate now because so much is going on. There's so much that's being inflicted on the black man, you know, and it's, it's it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with being connected to a black man. It's a lot to deal with having a black son who will grow up to be a black man. And I just thought about the mentality of these officers who saying this stuff, you know, so you, you black men have so many different challenges and so many things that's up against you, you know, and it's very, it's very much a tragedy. It is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, Kali, can you touch on that? Because Lady Ashley mentioned something that black moms tell their sons and black fathers train their sons. How do you speak to the young man that's saying, huh? When the police pull them over for the very same thing that's supposed to protect them, as Lady Ashley mentioned. How do you speak to the mind, the the mentalness of the man that's like, you know, either it's what you say it is or what you say it is, both y'all wrong. So because it's a it, it's a life and death. They just found out it's life and death that they feel if you twitch, possibly you could be killed. 
Right. One of the things that we have to um, to deal with, um, our tendency, and this is the nature of, of the United States of America, the mindset, our tendency is to always want to deal with the fruit. I deal with leaves versus deal with roots. You know, we have to deal with the roots of the thing. Um, the injustice in the in the police department, it doesn't, it doesn't exist um, because of us not doing the right thing in the economy. Not doing the right things when we're stopped. It exists because they've been programmed out of fear. Whatever That's the it. seed of a thing is going to produce the fruit of the thing. That's right. You know, the explanation or excuse is the vast majority of time when, when incidents happen is the police say that they were afraid. Mm-hmm. Never fails. Conditioned and programmed out of fear. You feel me? They, they have a, a fear of the black man off the top. Off the top. Where they, they, they feel threatened, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of that has a lot, a lot more to do with arrogance and pride than it actually does, uh, you know, the fear of something actually happening to them. Let's, let's be honest with that. But even in the meeting and the development in the in the academy, they're they're taught to respond and react based on fear. Mm-hmm. You follow me? And and that is the huge problem. Because if you're being conditioned and programmed out of fear, then the result is going to be fear motivated and right. then it comes to the continued uh, racial incidents. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You know, how I noticed, um, and everybody noticed, that um, there, is, there is a lack of unity in the black community. It is. So how can men begin to repair their relationships, build relationships, you know, it's like when when you're in a family, you know, your family is your support system. But I'm really like that in today's time, like the black man doesn't feel like he has a support system. How can we begin to, to fix that issue? How can we bridge, you know, how can we begin to build those relationships or men building that relationship, you know? Well, again, we're talking about individuals becoming whole. Uh, the easiest people to have great relationship with is whole people, right? But the, the tragedy of it is, is most of us aren't whole. Mm-hmm. Most right. of us processing through life as it exists, as it is, you follow me, versus dealing with life from our truth. You know, when you start talking about deliverance, um, you know, in a relationship with God and you're about or dealing with processing or walking out my deliverance, this thing is not just about some catastrophic spiritual dynamic that exists in your life. We're talking about just simple stuff. You know what I mean? Not dealing with insecurities, inferiority, you know, uh, not dealing with these dynamics that keep us from being able to have healthy relationships, um, you know, and that's a really big piece of it. Because you have um, 40, 50, 60 year old men that are still dealing with insecurity. They, they've never been fathered, so they don't know how to father. They don't have good relationships with men, and nobody's ever taught them how to have good relationships with men, period. I was 30 years old and before I realized I did not know how to have relationships. I did not know how to have a healthy relationship because all of the relationships I had had with men were centered around negativity. Yeah. And so here I am, 30 years old, trying to live a godly life and start realizing that I wasn't even comfortable with trying to have a relationship with another man. You know what I mean? And I thought, you know what I'm saying? You know, real talk. As a matter of fact, I had to be honest with myself. You realize there was a lot of distrust in my thinking when it came to having relationships with people. And so again, we, it, that's almost mental illness in and of itself, mm-hmm. uh, because we're broken and we come into this maturity and adulthood, you know, and, and we're broken and we don't understand all of the baggage that we're actually mm-hmm. carrying. This relationship, 
But God had to take on such a, a level of importance that it began to literally heal me to potentially become whole so that I could actually interact and have these relationships. Mm -hmm. But that broken piece um, is, is what hinders us and what keeps us. You, you, you follow me? Yes. It really is. Uh, because what winds up happening with most people, they take on a posture of pride. And out of that posture of pride, they revert back into their safe place. Their right. 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 And then that's what you see as the reflections in the interaction with other people and the disingenuousness and the dishonesty that exists amongst relationships. Right. So that, and that's the really big piece is, is, is real life healing that has to take place, you know. Right. Right. And it's even rough. Let me say this too. Uh, it's even rough when you're dealing with, with, with quote unquote Christian men. Mm. It's even rougher because now they have this religious camouflage that they put over instead of actually in front That's of huge. They hide them. That's huge. It's big. It's so real. I mean, the hardest people that I, uh, that I uh, had the opportunity of trying to have with has been ministers. But God put it on my heart, you know, I mean, literally when I first started ministry, that this is a work to have relationship with ministers and pastors and different things. It's a work because they've been hurt. They 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 struggle with finding acceptance. They struggle to find a place where they fit. All of these things going on, they've been rejected. Yeah. by members, by other ministers, and all of them. They carry these things into the into the potential of trying to have relationships. And in all actuality, most of them fall further and further away from the truth. Mm, right. Mm, mm, mm. A lot of mental illness uh, amongst pastors, amongst ministers, um, and I know. The past few years, we've seen a lot of suicides and, you know, or committing suicide. And, you know, these are people who know God's word. These are people who who know God's promises, you know. Uh, but at some point, it becomes too much. Why do you think that we're seeing more and more suicides amongst the pastors and the ministers um, or leaders in, in church? You know, when we have the spiritual answer, and I know that, we're flesh. I know those things. Why, why do you think that um, it's getting harder for pastors and ministers? I don't think it's getting harder. I think the condition itself is now showing up in such a real way, and we're not showing up real. Here, here is here is the real struggle. The reality of it is we have a religious consciousness. This religious consciousness is staked out of American Christianity. Right? American Christianity is idolatry. Okay. Mm. Now, here is the, the real struggle is that the vast majority of African-American pastors have a different degree of depth when it comes to relationship with God, but it's still not deep enough. It's still based out of this compartmentalized mindset attitude. Mm -hmm. Most, most African-American pastors still realize that this is our truth. Right. God, God was in Africa way before he was in Europe. Now, that's important to understand because the vast majority of our foundation has been shaped by African scholarship. Oh, my goodness. Right? So there is a certain mindset that Africans have always had about relationship and intimacy that when you come over to the Europeans did not exist. Just being perfect. Teach, positive. sir. <laughs> the idea of quote unquote Christianity, and when you start dealing with, with this idea of right relationship with God, it literally belongs to our truth. It connects with us. But we still don't believe that because we, for the vast majority of us, we're still trying to practice American Christianity. Wow. Now that's because this compartmentalized uh, attitude of Christianity causes us to come to the equation.
Right. So the vast majority of people don't have the necessary depth that they really need in intimacy with God to heal the hurting places that have never been dealt with, to heal the unresolved trauma, to really heal the processes uh, that people live in and go through, but they go through them limited because they're not going through them from God's perspective. They're still taking their own reasoning logic to it. You right. have people that can know the Bible, can know church backwards and forwards, and still be limited in their intimacy with God. And I think, too, um, because I think that um, some pastors, they're teaching that they're sugar, they're, they're adding sugar to God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying what the people want to hear. They're patty-caking them in church, and they're not really giving them the, the raw word of God. And I think, too, um, that's why you see a lot of these mega ministries, you know what I'm saying, who, who have packed out houses that they're not really delivering a raw word or a word with substance. And I think, too, possibly pastors get, some pastors, some ministers, um, are more caught up in their title mm. versus the they have God. Well, and I think the so heavy because when you have true relationship with God, even when that weight gets heavy, you know where to place that weight. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But for pastors who lack that relationship, I think that's why you see a lot of the struggle um, because it's, it's it's not a the motives. Come on, <laughs> When I talk about a lack of depth, most people will feel like that's not about them mm-hmm. because they feel like they have a great discipline. When it comes to reading scripture, they have a great discipline when it comes to exercising their devotion daily. They have a great discipline when it comes to being obedient. Mm. But what they don't understand is that you're operating this out of a limited mindset because you're following patterns of, of our logic and our reasoning and not truly God or the logic and reason. That's, that's where the struggle comes in. So when I go to interpret scripture, I'm going from a limited place. I already have my presupposition and my predeterminations that exist in my mind. And so I'm taking them to God instead of literally being naked and going to God and says, show me. Mm. Because I have these religious patterns that block my view. I can practice religion perfectly and still never have intimacy. Right. Follow me. And, and this may, you know, I know there are people that will disagree with me holistically on this, but uh, it's just my truth. And I'll right. share it for the opportunity that it occurs to someone else. Uh, when you draw the glasses around who God is, you already start practicing. Already. I promise you this. When we have boxes about gifts, when we have boxes about God's movement and what God will and won't do and all this type of thing, the more boxes you see somebody with, the more absolute that someone has drawn out, the more you will realize that they are right and not really truly walking our relationship. Right. Wow. That's awesome. And that's true. Oh my goodness, that 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 was that was. (laughs) But you know what? It was profound. Somebody needed that this morning. This whole this conversation has been necessary, and we have been anticipating and needing it for some time. And you know, we this hour won't even cover, you know, uh, the trauma and the damage that's been done. If we want to talk about it uh, concerning our black men. Right. What would you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Doctor Holly, what is your what is your perception uh, when you deal with people that are Christian men and they still have this 
this dope lost look. They're ministering the word. And you're under, you can tell because of your place in God, if it's, it's something bigger that's wrong, can you detect mental illness upon a, you know, a man of faith, you know, that, uh, uh, by way of expression, action, and the way they preach? Because I have come to know that the harder someone preaches, the harder someone preaches is a sign that that's, that, that struggle is either theirs or have been. It's interesting. I, um, I'll say this. The things I look for, the things I look for, praise God, are the deficits, the emotional deficits. Um, it, 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 it's easier to understand where someone is in the process when you start discerning what they're lacking, what they're missing. There are indicators that let you know where people actually are in their process. And that's it. Mm. You know what I mean? Because we're not very honest with ourselves about our emotional security, are we? Uh -uh. We'd rather pretend to have a security in a thing versus actually deal with the conflict of not right. having it. Right. That's, that's huge. That's right. huge. What does that tell me, really? That that lets me know that someone truly doesn't doesn't know the love of God. Because right. it's really guilt, shame, and self-condemnation, you know, it's still leading or motivating your movement. You you still haven't truly owned this relationship. Ah. The goal of this relationship is not just to get you to heaven. The goal of this relationship is the reconciliation with God that causes you to grow. Wow. Uh, how do you grow? Say that again. Right? The, the the Holy Spirit convicting me is how I grow. And so if I'm walking out of religious consciousness that's causing me to avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit versus embrace it, I already know you don't understand what this relationship is really about. I already know. That's immature. So then it also points back to what? The guilt, the shame, the self-condemnation that most people are wrestling in and wrestling with. You know, and that's really powerful because most of this stuff is associated or attached to trial childhood trauma. Whether it was rejection experience, abandonment experience, uh, offenses they've experienced, abuse, uh, molestation, all kind of things that they've been through in their lives that they that they cover versus confront. Right. right. That they continue to be in dealt with with guilt, shame, self condemnation. And this then also becomes a reflection of their interpretation of God, which ultimately becomes a reflection of their message from God. Right. right. <laughs> and that's big. So I can't say that I'm actually out looking for mental illness as much as I'm looking for deficits. I'm looking for the things that people lack in their, mm. in their own reality, their own truth. Mm. Uh, you have the people who who, who exude this this um, this security, this 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 false sense of security in different ways. You have the person that's very exciting and they have this great personality and they're out and they and they just seem so awesome as an individual mm. person. You don't realize that's camouflage for hurting places mm. that have never healed. Mm. Uh, and then you have the same thing with the person that's quiet. You know, they have their very uh, you know uh, um, mute personality or reality or whatever like that. And, and they don't want to say too much because they don't want to let out. You know that. <laughs> you know, right. And it all boils back to a lack of identity, true identity. Mm. And, and this is the thing, you know, it's like you have a, a real young minister that tries to sound old. Why? Lord have mercy. And you haven't even really identified yourself when you're trying to Come perceive to be the picture of a sense of creature. You know what I'm saying? When there's a real identity that God has birthed you for and, and birthed you to produce in this world, in this outcome, 
guess it's been about um I'm forty nine uh this Wednesday at about forty nine years old. Um God started really dealing with me with the relationship. Um from day one when I started ministry saying you have to work relationships, you have to learn how to do relationships. And nobody just showed me how to do relationships. I just be perfectly honest with you. In ministry, um and, and all this wonderful stuff, but I had to figure out relationships on my own. And as a result of that, I had a lot of relationships that were not necessarily fruitful or healthy for my own growth, right? Um, now, that wasn't bad. I'm not saying that's bad. What I'm saying is I realized that I'm still not doing this well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So as I go back to God, he says, you know, the problem is, is that you're putting the same intensity on every relationship. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And, and I haven't called you to that degree of intensity with everybody. Everybody has not earned or is not worthy of that level of intensity. They won't, they're not even available for it. Mm. Right. And it's not right or wrong. It's right or wrong for you. Right. Somebody else may have a relationship with this person. They have a beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. They're just not right for you. So right. I started paying more attention to God's lending. You know, as he pointed me toward situations, I would be different things. I've literally shared a stage with some of the biggest, biggest preachers, um, you know, that we think are big right now. Um, you know, not now because right now everything's weird in it. But last year, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? In different times when we had these we had these minds of who was dominant or who mm-hmm. was, you know, who had who carried authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? And some of these people I've shared stages with it but didn't feel led at all to connect with. Right. You follow me? I just I just knew that we don't think like a, a, about this. It doesn't make them right. I mean a wrong and me right or vice versa. We just not good. You right. know what I, mean? I always was led by God so for the relationship where I could God's hand working, where I could see him move, where I could see the potential for agreement, and then we would connect, and right. then build and foster great relationships out of that. And if those people had struggles, or 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 if I had struggles that they had the opportunity to help me with, then we were available to this process. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In God's leading, and not in our own. Right. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So let me ask you this. Um, I feel like there's a whole generation of people who don't want to walk out of the church building. Mm-hmm. You don't want to come inside of the church walls. So, and I know that you have a lot of respect. And I know that, um, you know, I don't know if street ministry is the right um, definition or the right wording to say, but there's a lot of people who are outside of the church who give you great respect. How do you, I mean, and I know you know scripture and I know scripture and stuff, but how do you, what what can you tell the man who's not willing to walk in the church? Um, how can you encourage him when he's on his, I'm, I'm ready to give up. I can't do this no more. The weight is too heavy. It's not, you know, I, I, I'm not enough. And how do you encourage um, someone who is, doesn't really have a relationship with God and is not going to understand the scriptures that you're quoting? Amen. Um, that's a really great question. And I hope you don't mind me taking a, a moment to kind of peel it out first and then bring it all back together. You know, I, I work best that way for <laughs> me personally. So one thing you have to understand is that the gathering is invaluable. The gathering is invaluable. We're not talking about church in the sense of church building, but the gathering, people coming together, people being accountable to one another, people growing by the conflict that we have in church. One of the biggest problems that exists in church is that people don't expect conflict in church, right? Well, how do you grow without conflict? Right. The design of conflict is 
conflict that take place inside what we call the church. Exactly. And that's important. So I never I never play the church down. I never criticize the church anyway because we have a, a greater understanding of what church should be. And right. afford it to us through church. Absolutely. The second thing is that when I'm talking to people, because even with the belief that I just shared, I very rarely start a conversation with people inviting them to church. Uh-huh. Very rarely. I very rarely start a conversation with people trying to quote scripture to them. Absolutely. And the one thing that I'm always going to highlight is, is Christ. Right. The love of God. And so I can talk about Christ in a way that people have never heard from a religious person. Right. <laughs> and that's associated with the love of God. And I mean, I remember myself, this is my personal experience, so it is something that I've always tried to model. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Pastor Coombs, W.J.E. Coombs, the Great New Fellowship uh, Missionary Baptist Church in Cartersville, Georgia. He came to my studio. Now, this is before I was saved. He came to my studio to get uh, a project worked on that he, that he had, his, his own album. And he came, and um, and honestly, when he came to my studio, I kind of forgot he was coming. Um, but I, I had a blunt, I had a bottle of Crown Royal sitting on the control uh, desk, and all this type of stuff like this. And Pastor Coons came into the environment, didn't judge me, didn't even question it, didn't even mm. ask about it. He showed me the love of God. How about that? I going to his church and saw the consistency in his in this love, and 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 that's what actually led me to Christ. Uh, that's what actually led me to commit my life uh, to to this to this uh, uh, reconciliation with God. Mm. And that was very powerful, but it's very simple. Yes. And that's something that I've always practiced and tried to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Listening is a weight. Listening is weight. You hear me? Yes, it uh, is. Like we were talking about a few minutes ago, I counsel people and witness to them. You know what I'm saying? Not even realize that I'm counseling because I'm listening. I'm hearing where they actually are. What things that went on in their lives that's keeping them from being able to make the connection they were born for. And that's another really big key. Is I'm, I think everybody's already saved. They just don't know. Mm. Um, situations as if I'm welcoming you back mm-hmm. to your reality. Mm. You know, not as if I'm trying to draw you into something new. You were born for this. Mm-hmm. God created you. You were born for this. This connection is something that's a part of you. You know, when and where everybody gets it, you know, it's based on how they hear or what circumstances that create the listening or the hearing of them, you know, responding to God's call. But the truth of the matter is, when I approach witnessing, I approach it from a mindset that you're supposed to be saved. <laughs> you see this follow me? And so I'm, I'm going all in. Another thing is that we're, I see kings. You know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have this limited mindset of I'm just trying to save you because you're going to go to hell because of the way you're acting. I have this mindset that I'm trying to see you release your greatness. Mm. There's a king in you that you don't know. Mm. All yeah. you do is reconnect to the king so that you can manifest your truth. Yeah. So these elements cause me to approach situations very differently than people trying to get you to repeat a script. Yes. Right. right. And I think that's, that's um, I think that makes the difference.
especially young boys who are um they're searching. They're searching and they're looking for people just like you who are not afraid, who are not gonna judge them and who are not afraid to, to sit in their environment because see certain folks have excuse me, some people have the misconception that if I go into the club, if I go into this space or do this, then I'm I'm not saved. But you know, Jesus did. Jesus walked with the sinners. You know what I'm saying? So that's definitely um something that I commend you um on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh oh, now you see the time is passing. So we're down to uh short minutes to come. I really want you to um. Encourage the black men if they're listening the importance of getting help. Let me let me take it, um, and preferably uh, throwing fine encouragement in it. This is an exceptional generation for one. I mean, this generation is greater generation that has walked planet Earth, uh, gifting, uh, talent, uh, the way that they think, you know, as it's specifically designed for this time. Yes, and God wants to release them into the for the authority. That's, that's really important to understand. When we start seeing all the things that we're actually uh, up against, you know, uh, we're talking about mental illness this morning, praise God. That's a huge thing. And I want to encourage anybody that's just really been overtaken or just overly stressed, discouraged, or frustrated, you know, find somebody to talk to. Just get it out of you. You know what I mean? Be available to really release that stuff and start trying to process through. Uh, and that's another really big piece. It's not a negative mm-hmm. to find some place to put all this garbage, mm-hmm. to find some place to deal with the trauma. You know, that that's huge. It's not a negative, it's a win. Because the thing that God wants to see function and move forward is you being whole. Right. You and your peace. And that's the way you really tap into power is through peace. You don't tap into power through force. You tap into power through peace. You know, and that's what we're really missing. So we're always trying to make something happen instead of flowing in a with what God has already established. That's another, you know, another really big, uh, huge piece of the equation that we definitely don't have a whole lot of time to talk to, uh, to talk about. But it's really powerful, man. And I want to encourage people. There are great therapists, uh, great counselors. I think you guys are going to mention some of those uh, individuals who have their own uh, setting. Uh, and different things that 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 can reach and help. So I want to you know encourage people to find that freedom, whatever works for them. You know, uh, I think number one is go deeper into God mm. off the top. So whoever you talk to then becomes confirmation for truth. Um, you know that's that's really important, and and not become your savior, your superstar, but they literally become confirmation for the same thing that God has already ministered to you. Himself. Uh, for people who have been in any type of teaching any type of environment or disciple model that, that uh, would suggest that God don't speak to them, I would call them a lie. Hmm. Uh, say that to the, why, he died to have a relationship with you. Exactly. Why you? Uh, he desires, wants to have interaction with you, dialogue with you, you know, but you have to have the expectation to hear him. Right. Uh, and that's not mystical. It's just the reality of relationship. We've been called into the reconciliation. We've been called into a relationship. Yes. And God wants to interact and dialogue within that relationship. He wants you to know his design and his truth for your life. Um, but you have to have that expectation. Uh, like real talk. 
and every one of us as well. But um, and then number two is you know just have the availability to be willing to sit down and find a safe space and be willing to sit down and, and talk to someone to get it off of you. Right. You I mean out of you? You you real talk. Right. Right. I hope I'm making sense. Sound like I'm everywhere. But uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> this is this is really 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 good. You speak so well, and you are very. It, it's it's quite you know uh, uh, easy to understand you because you break down what you're communicating. You're a storyteller, so it's like you you get it. You know from the beginning to the end, you get it. I I want you to um to answer one more question in closing out. Where humility is concerned. Do you perceive that to be a weakness? Or do you no, think absolutely. that the black and think it's a weakness to be humble, to be vulnerable? Well, here's, Which is me, two different things. Here's the preach. There is meekness and there is humility. Mm-hmm. Most people who perceive they're operating humble are actually only operating meek. Meekness has everything to do with how it's received by people. Humility has everything to do with how you're received by God. I mean, y'all with me? That's, that's yes, yes. So, 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 say for instance, this is a, a very important point. Love, this love that we that we serve in, this love that we receive from God, agape, is a supernatural idea. It's a supernatural perspective. This love is not romanticized philosophy. This idea of love is supernatural. So, when we receive it, praise God, then we're brought up to operate and function in the supernatural. Now, the other thing you have to understand about this love is that it has a corrective component. Because this is what the scripture says. He chastens those that he loves. Right? So now when you start thinking about me operating in this love and realizing and fully walking out this love, so let's just deal with, you know, uh, American society as a whole and the racism that exists in there, even in the church. Right. You know, especially in the church, honestly. Right. Um, I'm talking to one of my white brothers or, or sisters and I, I, I can tell them in love that racism is wrong. Racism is a sin. You're hurting me. I'm hurting. And that's not hate. But because of the posture that we that we exist and we think that this love is emotional, philosophical, then we don't think that I can share, you know, my, my, my hurts or I can share my concerns about a particular thing. We'll say that you're being divisive. No, I'm being truthful. And, and I'm actually operating in the natural reality that I've been brought up to in God. It's the same thing with the idea like forgiveness. You know, you can forgive someone and still tell them what they've done wrong. Exactly. Right? right. That don't mean I don't forgive. You know what I'm saying? Because forgiveness is about me and my freedom. Right. And, and hurt and trauma. Right? But right. forgiveness is not giving you an excuse to continue in a, a, in a negative process or a toxic process. Right. And this becomes extremely powerful for us to understand. Um, so then when we're talking about humility, I don't lack humility because I confront you. Right. You know what I'm saying? I might not be being meek. You know what I'm saying? But right. remember, meek is about how you're perceived by right. people. Right. So if you're truly humble, you're going to always put the actual process of your relationship with God before how people perceive you. Right. Hey, a lot of people in church have perfected false humility. They oh, know other wow. things they say, they know the posture to hold, right. the facial expressions have, 
and all this type of stuff, but it's not real humility. Right. Uh, it's how you receive by God. Oh, boy. Right. That blame is just a decision mm. that you make. That blame you do and choose to do it.